Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Star Trek, the pod directive, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tony Newsom, and that is the other one of your hosts, Paul F. Tompkins. And we are together <laughs> hosting the pod. I don't know what you're setting me up for. I wasn't. I, I made it seem like I was setting you up and then like a little hamburglar. I ran back in and grabbed it. You are a little hamburglar. A lot of people, always- you know what? I'm owning it. A lot of people are calling me a little hamburglar. I'm like, guys, you win. I am. He steals a lot of hamburgers. I love the robble robble. Robble robble indeed. Now, <laughs> does hamburger talk but just says robble robble to as though he is cursing? Is that his razza frazza? I think he's doing a uh, Vincent the Chin Gigante move, the f- noted mobster who pretended to have gone senile. Huh. And he would walk around in his bathrobe and stuff, but he was fine. But it was so he couldn't be tried in a certain way. McDonald's Corporation, get at us. Let us know if that's <laughs> what you were going for when you created this harmless little thief. Well, stealing food harms us all. <laughs> this was a, a uh, an idea. I don't know how we got to this. I appeared on the Doughboys podcast one time. We were talking about McDonald's. And I don't know how we got to this idea, but <laughs> was David Bowie aware of the Hamburglar? Why? Why is this a question <laughs> I in the world? It's 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 not a question that should exist in the world. But once it does, you really do think about it. Like I, <laughs> the idea of <laughs> David Bowie knowing who the Hamburglar is. There's something that's comforting about that, I guess. I don't. I have to say, I think they existed in different universes. Like, I don't know which one is our universe, but they are not in the same one. He must have watched TV, though, right? I don't know. You know, he used to do a lot of mime work. Do you know this about David Bowie? Didn't know it, but must have sensed it on some level. (laughs) Yeah. um, So he used to perform mime at parties. He tried to get really good at mime, and he would go to, like, Andy Warhol's house and just, in the way that, like, a college guy will bust out a guitar and think that everyone (laughs) wants to hear that. Yeah. Bowie... Should have busted out a guitar. Instead, he busted out some sweet mime moves. And uh, there's all these videos. There's all these black and white videos that Warhol took of him. They're in the Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh. It is wow. so funny to see David Bowie, who's good at most things, be so bad at something. Is he not good at it? <laughs> look, I'm no professional mime. But for my lightly trained eye, it don't, it don't look great. Hey, professional mimes who have visited the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, get at us. We want to know how good was David Bowie at mime. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was great. Maybe I'm happy to be proven wrong. (laughs) Prove me wrong. 
Was he doing like any of the classics, the rope, the uh, walking against the wind, the glass box? I would hope that he would do just like abstract mime, being that he's Bowie, you know? (laughs) Where you're not sure what's going on and then like, oh, I think he's doing a thing. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a very specific thing that he is sure about, but we're not. Is that the international sign for choking? (laughs) Yeah, I wish it was more demonstrative mime. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, you know who maybe wishes they were doing mime work is <laughs> Tig Nataro because in this interview, she talks a lot about the techno babble and how hard it was to spit out. That's yes. right. There I you go. Nailed it. A perfect link, a perfect segue. Perfect. Tig and I are old friends. We've known each other for a long time. I got to sit down with her and, and chat about not just uh, playing Jet Reno on Star Trek Discovery, but also about acting in general and and what it feels like to you know, feel out of your depth in certain situations. And it was really, it was really fun to talk about, to get her perspective on this job. And I, I think we've all been there. Have you, what's a job that you've had where you felt like, oh, wow, I should not be here probably? Oh, like I, I didn't know what I was doing very well. I, <laughs> I uh, signed up to sing core, uh, what am I trying to say? Christmas carols. We did these like very elaborate Dickensian. We wore like costumes and then we would go to corporate events and be this like quartet singing these acapella Christmas carols with very intricate harmonies. And because previously I'd had such a knack for harmony and like can always grab it really fast and like learn it. But these parts were like, so I was like alto Mm. two, you know, some really sub weird part. I did not rehearse enough. I did not practice on my own. And even though we were holding the sheet music, I showed up fully in like a bustle and a bonnet full outfit at like this huge corporate party and was just like, good King Wenceslas looked out (laughs) on the face of you. Like just searching, just wavering and searching for the note. It was, I mean, I'll never forget these business dudes in the front row just dying laughing at me, looking me in my eyes and dying laughing. And I knew I was like, I got to get out of this. Got to get out of this choral quartet. (laughs) You know, here in Los Angeles, there's a restaurant called the Tam O'Shanter where every Christmas they go all out. Um, It's one of the oldest restaurants in Los Angeles. And it's got a storied history. Walt Disney animators used to hang out. I think they actually still do, but it it was a famous hangout for Walt Disney and his animators. So every year for Christmas, places decorated like crazy, they have like three to four roving uh, groups of Dickensian carolers yeah. going from table to table and they take a request and then they sing the song. And it's it's a lot of fun. However, I have a standing like yearly dinner with a friend of mine where we'll always go to the Tamil Shanter at Christmas time. For a while, we forgot about the carolers that that was happening. <laughs> and then we start, we try to devise strategies because it's pleasant to listen to them, but it is sort of uncomfortable when they're right at your table and they're singing yeah. And the biggest the biggest problem is where do I look, right? Right. Because <laughs> it feels weirdly intimate to look at them, like make eye contact with them. You know, look so, in our eyes. Yeah. Right in our eyes while we're Yeah, singing. yeah, yeah. It's like, please look over my head. Don't look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one year we, my friend and I said, oh, we'll say, I know what we'll do. We'll say, oh, you already sang the one that we wanted to hear. And man- Obviously, we thought we were being so clever. Of course, mm-hmm. they've heard this one before. Mm-hmm. They got so passive aggressive. Just like, oh, huh, okay, all right. It's like, no, it was lovely, but we really love. No, 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 that's good. That's good. That's fine. Yeah, we don't have to sing for you. And they moved on, and we felt absolutely shamed. Oh, and no. so from then on, it was just like, you got to take it, man. You got to take yeah. it. They're, they're going to sing, and you're going to take it. 
And I just try to look down and look contemplative as they say. Yeah, just think about the magic of Christmas while they're singing. <laughs> exactly. Because, Paul, as is evidenced by my story, those people probably practiced really hard because that's what oh, I was supposed yes, to do for absolutely. hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> and it is, it is, even if you are just casually listening, you can tell, like, if you focus on one person and listen to what they're doing, it's not just you know, regular old, oh, I'll go high. If you go low, I'll go high. No. <laughs> it's it's a whole thing. It's very close harmony. It's very intricate. So we bring all this up because, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tig was talking about in the interview. Now, I'm not in the interview. I was not there for this one, but I liked that I wasn't there because you and Tig <laughs> know each other, and it just led to, like, a very cool intimacy. You're both stand-ups. You've known each other for a while. Like, it was cool to listen back to. I was kind of like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't jumping into this one with my with my dumb thoughts. But, um, <laughs> you know, Tig's talking about all the techno babble and the, and the hard time that it is as an actor when you just get these, like, sci-fi words and you have to spit them out yeah. super fast. We've been doing some work for season two of Lower Decks and doing voice work for that already. And I really, I did have to get back into it. I was like, oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, just a string of sci-fi words. Very fast. And a lot of times you have to say those words very quickly. You know, you have to say them in, in, a, in, a, in a, with a heightened emotion because something's going wrong and you yeah. have to tell somebody what to do. And it's like these crazy made up words yeah. that you are trying so hard to make a connection to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I've so far escaped that. I've never, I don't think that I've ever really had to do techno babble. It's especially funny on Lower Decks because then I just have Mike McMahon in my ear from the booth or we've been doing it remotely going, okay, that was good, but this time, like, there's a hallway that um, is trying to boil your guts, so you got to be really scared, and you got to go fast. And you gotta, like, <laughs> you just got some kind of wild, you know, uh, circumstances that are happening. So, yeah, you're not just spitting out the words. You're trying to imbue them with, you know, action and stress and all that stuff. Also, a bit of a spoiler, there's uh, some hallway that boils guts in a future episode. Dang, I really did spoil it. I'm so sorry. Of course, that's a callback to, uh, you know, the... Um, that's a callback to an episode of uh, the animated series, probably. <laughs> hey, where'd you go just steam. now? <laughs> yeah, you really did. I really wanted to make a fun joke, and I was like, I got nothing. <laughs> I bet there is. A, shout out in the comments. Let us know if there is a hallway somewhere in the in the Trek universe that boils people's guts. <laughs> let us know. I don't remember it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Also, let us know if there isn't one. I can't deal with the uncertainty. Yeah, watch every episode of every series and then let us know that you've exhausted the possibility and that there is not one so that I can sleep at night. Speaking of sleeping at night, you'll be able to sleep great tonight after you listen to this episode of Star Trek The Pod Directive, my chat with the hilarious Tignataro. You'll hear it after this break and then you'll get nice and sleepy and you'll go to bed. <laughs> you go to bed immediately after listening to this. <laughs> I'll let you stay up to listen to this episode, and then that's it. It's bedtime for you. <laughs> From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Tignataro is an acclaimed stand-up comic, an actor, and a writer. She created and starred in the Amazon series One Mississippi and starred in the Netflix documentary Tig. 
She's had stand-up specials on HBO and Netflix and has been on This American Life, Transparent, and of course, Star Trek Discovery, where she played Commander Jet Reno this past season. Tig, thank you so much for uh, appearing with us on the show. Hi, Paul. Now, you and I, we know each other prior to this meeting. We do. We met in the parking lot. We did. <laughs> we shook hands. That's right. <laughs> then we turned, Wait, walked no, 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 bases. no, no. You gave me your... Regular old Paul F. Tompkins bear hug when you saw me in the uh, parking lot. Yeah. Well, I tried to, but you made yourself appear bigger. Yeah. And of course, I was intimidated. Yeah. You played dead. (laughs) In a stunning reversal (laughs) of bear tactics. (laughs) Tig, I want to play you a clip from the show Mm. and then ask you about it. Now, you're in the clip. Okay. Let's take a listen to that clip. Can I help you? Uh, unless you can reroute the plasma regulator to silo off the relay junction, then uh, no. You're um, Jet Reno from the Hiawatha. I hitched a ride off that asteroid. Chief engineer sent me to firewall off the critical propulsion systems. I didn't realize a greenhouse could be critical or propulsive, but uh, what do I know? I'm just a gearhead, not a farmer. <laughs> it's very hard to listen to. Why is it? <laughs> It took everything in me to get that out of my mouth hole. This is a new world for you, right? Paul, yes. But I mean, I've now done it many times. Yeah. But Paul, it's not easy. (laughs) Did you hear that, Valentine? We're going home. Uh, Valentine took a piece of shrapnel to the left aortic valve. Uh, I don't even remember how it goes. Do you remember what was the line that you had the most trouble with? Is there one that sticks in your head because no, you had because such a hard time? they don't stick in my head. <laughs> the when when I was for my friend Alex Kurtzman, he's mm-hmm. um, one of the co-creators of the series. Yeah, and you know each other for a long time. Very long time, and uh, I got a call out of the blue to potentially do the show. And when I went to his office, we had such a blast, like. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. We we had like a two or three hour meeting, just catching up. And he said, we want to have you as much as you are available. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. This, this is so great. And then I go do an episode and I did a terrible job. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really ever hard on myself. I, right. I leave things going, yeah, that went pretty well. And then I move on in life. Right. This I was I, I, I couldn't get anything out of my mouth, and the director had to come in on an apple box and sit there and feed me every line, and so I wrote Alex and I said, "Listen, this very truly went terribly, and I am so sorry, and I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, hold yourself to your word of having me." because I I really don't know if this is right. Yeah. And he said, listen, we edit right on set, and so I've already gotten uh, a cut, and it looks amazing. <laughs> and, and he said, and now that I know you're struggling so hard, I'm just going to make your dialogue harder. And so I was, I was like, this is... 
<laughs> the opposite of what I thought this call was. Like, I thought there might be a heavy, or this email. I thought there'd be a follow-up call. I thought it'd be Thank heavy. you for saving me the trouble. Well, and just like, you. hey, what do you think happened? Or do we? Do you yeah. maybe need to get somebody to help you? <laughs> like, there wasn't even a, a hint of concern in his response. He thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And just is barreling through with this person that's a stand-up comedian putting on a spacesuit. What was the first indication that you were going to have trouble with this? Was it when you first started shooting or was it like when you got the script? <laughs> when I got the script, well, first of all, I was lying in bed and I was reading. My assistant is a big, uh, he's a, he's very, he's highly intelligent, nerdy, science fiction, everything. And when right. he printed out my sides, the the script, he he was like, this is so Cool. Oh my God. He he was, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't. And I read it, and I I I did. I loved the writing, and mm-hmm. I I love. I truly thought it was so great, and I was genuinely excited. And I was lying in bed, going over my lines, and my wife Stephanie, who you know, mm-hmm. walked through the bedroom to go get ready for bed, and she heard me saying these things, and she just turned and was like, What? <laughs> On earth are you, what, like, she's, she's never even seen Star Wars. Right. And I'm like, propulsion, and I was like, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. The words on the show, I can't picture what I'm talking about, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I never got into stand-up to try to be an actor. Mm -hmm. I, I really... When I first started and people would say, what do you, what do you ultimately want to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I want to get better and at stand up. And they were like, right, right, right. But then what do you want to do? And I was like, get even better than that and like do theaters, you know. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, then I'll just, I'll become, I'll start acting. It didn't mm-hmm. even cross my mind. And now that I do act accidentally and I'm <laughs> in movies or TV shows, I still have trouble with regular lines that are like, um, hey, see you at the movies. Right. I have to read it over and read it over <laughs> and make sure I got it and I can picture what I'm talking about. But yeah. with Star Trek, I have no clue what I'm in the middle of, what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and the cra- other crazy part is everyone on the show is so highly talented and accomplished. They're from Broadway. They're from <laughs> Juilliard. Right. I'm just, I'm so genuinely apologetic and everyone's so nice and I think they don't hate me, but I, you know, I'll never know. Well, wait, so from that first episode to where you are now, because you're, we can say that you're coming back for the third season. You'll be seen in the third season. Yeah, I've been filming already. Yeah. Terribly. (laughs) Has it gotten, is it any different? No. (laughs) Every time. And all of my co-stars, there's the anticipation of like, you can do it, Tig. You right. like and and people and after I get it out of my mouth, everyone's like, she did it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm not doing it for attention. I'm no. not doing it to be funny. I really don't want to hold up anybody's it's, time. It's the worst attention there is. It's the worst. Yes. I mean, the boom operators holding the like and and I'm in my stupid skin tight spacesuit that I love, and uh, I really do. Like I love it's getting in my cool. spacesuit. Yeah, sure. Ugh, I just love everything about the show except myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be better. And I do. I work on my lines, and I I try so hard. 
And then, um, God, I'm not good. Have you gotten past the point where the director has to sit on a box next to you? Yeah. That's that's progress. <laughs> that's progress. I know. When that happened, I I was really in the middle of trying so, so hard. And then I had to come to terms with, I I really can't do this. And I, I just stopped and I, I threw my hands up in the air and started laughing and I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what to do. I have learned these lines and it's not working. And I just, I, I was, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember if the director or the other actors, maybe it's the director that said, at least you didn't go the other way, which was like, internalized panic and mm-hmm. like fear. Yeah. She was like that we would have been kind of screwed. Yeah. Whereas it started to become hilarious to me because I was panicked, but it was also everybody was so nice. I couldn't even yeah. I was so thankful. And and it and you have Juilliard and Broadway actors watching a director sit on a little stump. <laughs> and and feed you every word. It's so humiliating. And then you have to call the executive producer who ha- who's Mr. Alias Star Trek. Yeah. Transformer. Biggest guy. One of the biggest guys in Hollywood. And be yeah. like, hi. I uh, was fed all of my lines from an <laughs> Apple box. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so humiliating. <laughs> Paul, I swear to God, I try very hard. Of course. I know, I know that. It's I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is getting better. You're past the stump stage. <laughs> That's an important milestone for any actor. <laughs> what was your past experience with Star Trek? Had you seen anything at all? My brother and I both loved the original series, uh, and we had the action figures and right. all that. Did you have the transporter playset? Yes, sir. We had that too, I, me and my yes, brother. Yeah. Yes, we had the transporter <laughs> playset. And then after that, I just kind of moved on in life, and uh, I don't know. I, I got into rock and roll and uh, comedy. <laughs> but when you get a call to be on Star Trek, mm-hmm. you're not like, listen, I'm I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> You let that reveal itself slowly. And was was Jet Reno, was that written for you? Or was that a character they had and, and then Alex thought, you know, be perfect, this is Tig. Alex said he created it for me. Mm-hmm. And he said he went through all of my stand-up and listened to everything and um, really wrote it specifically for me. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, and I know this is not good to compare Star Trek and Star Wars, but when I would read the lines. I was like, oh, this feels so good. I love this. And and there's like a hint of Han Solo, like kind right. of just a little attitude and and uh, sarcasm. And, yeah. and I just, I don't know. I really, I love it, even though <laughs> I struggle a bit. <laughs> the character's original first name was Denise. Correct. And it was your idea to change it? Yeah, when I got that, I, I, uh, I, I called Alex and I was like, I'm not I can't be Denise. <laughs> He's like, okay, what do you want to be? And I was like, I don't know. Is this? I I, I liked the name Jet, and it was mm. kind of after Joan Jet, right? And uh, I saw the two T's. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I said, uh, "How's that grab you?" And he was like, "I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's a good name, right, Commander Absol- Jet Reno?" Absolutely. 
Denise, look at me. Denise. I wouldn't mind no. the, the irony of that. No. Because you're so not a Denise. No, we can find irony <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> like the fact that you are on this show at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because so many people are like, I can't, I can't I, you're on Star Trek, I can't picture it. And then I'm always, I always say, let me show you a picture of me in my suit and everything will make sense. And and truly, there was like, God, you look like you belong in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird thing to go from one Mississippi to outer space. Yeah. But I'm doing it. Now being a part of this world, are you going to be— Universe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's I all right. I do beg your pardon. <laughs> now being a part of this universe, mm-hmm. will you be going to— Outer space? Conventions and stuff and— well, I did. Com- I hosted the Star Trek Comic Con um, panel. Yeah, five thousand Trekkies, mm-hmm. and that was also a thing where I was a little nervous to do that because I feel like I stick out and that everybody knows that this maybe isn't my world. Because when you, I, I feel like when you enter this world, you are expected to know everything, and there's such. There's such a wealth of knowledge. There's a lot to know. There's a lot to know, yeah. and it's intimidating. Yeah. And uh, and I don't have any information. <laughs> and so I am I was scared to host it. And then I think I understand now that I am okay and I am welcome in this world and that bringing humor to whatever I'm doing is kind of all that they're asking for. And hosting that panel ended up being fun right? because once I realized I didn't have to, to stand there and pretend like I knew the Star Trek world and every part of it and that I could just bring, you know, my comedic self to hosting it, mm-hmm. it ended up being so much fun. And in fact, they asked me back immediately for the following year, but I wasn't <laughs> available. And I was like, wow. So it, there's so many things that, that reinforce Everything's okay, and I belong here in my own little uh, way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice. As far as the conventions, I also wonder, maybe it should be at a time when I'm more established on the show or something. I don't know. From what I know, the nature of the universe is that you could have been on one episode and be very much in demand at oh, okay. some of these things, okay. you know? You know, I was at the beach with my family, and this man came up behind me, and he came around <laughs> the side of me and looked at my face, and he said, are you from Star Trek? And I said, oh, yeah, I am. And he said, God, that's so crazy. He said, I was standing behind you, and I heard your voice, <laughs> and I recognized you. And I think that was my first Star Trek fan recognizing me, and it was <clears throat> solely on my voice. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's a Star Trek fan. That. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's the only way you get recognized? What if that's the only time I've been recognized? <laughs> <laughs> Through comedy and Star Trek, everything. It was just a man lurking around. <laughs> I didn't know where the story was going. I didn't either. Like I made the whole thing up. Oh, I did. <laughs> it's all a lie. Oh, I wish we could cut it out, but we're going live. <laughs> The, your character, Jet Reno, is, is, uh, provides uh, a lot of humor Thank for the you. show. But it's not, you're welcome. Thanks. But you got to do some serious stuff as well. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about 
dramatic acting. I know you've done it before. You played, I believe, speaking of Joan Jett, you played her mother in that movie Runaways, right? I did and got cut out. Thank you. No, were you really? Yes. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care in that I, I'm sure I would have loved to have been in there. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, I am clearly a fan of Joan Jett's. So yeah. I named my character after her. I do not blame her or anyone else for cutting me out of that movie. You don't blame Joan Jett specifically. Well, no, she was an EP on, <laughs> right. on the movie, and uh, and that's the end of my story. <laughs> and now I'm on Star Trek. <laughs> but I, I mean, like when I think back to to that scene in the Runaways or those scenes, I'm like, of course they cut me out. Right. I need to send an apology to Joan. <laughs> anyway, now I'm on Star Trek. <laughs> but I do love the runaways. Reno, Jet Reno. You also have to do dramatic acting on, uh, you've had to do dramatic acting on One Mississippi. Yeah. Which is based on your life. Loosely. Yes, loosely based on your life. Yeah. Is it easier for you to connect with that stuff because you're talking about your own world, your own experiences? It's easier to extrapolate, you know, in order to do those dramatic moments? Well, you know, it's funny because I was in the writer's room for One Mississippi, and there was six writers, including myself, and I had bits and pieces of my life where I was like, oh, this might be interesting, or this happened, or so I'd bring that, and filling in the pieces was stories that other writers added to the season, and we were really trying to make the best possible show we could make, mm -hmm. comedically, dramatically, everything, we just, uh, it's like, want to make the best thing we can make. And then we get on set, and I forgot that I was going to have to act out what we had written. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it didn't even dawn on me. I was just in the world of writing mm -hmm. that I was, I forgot I'm going to have to cry here, or I'm going to have to be really emotional and... um I really don't know, I don't know how, and I'm not saying, like, I don't know how I do it. Like, Paul, I don't know how I do it so well. But I really don't know how I do it. Is it more of, it's just the pressure of this has to be done, so you got to do it? I guess so. <laughs> like, you can't think about it too much because there isn't time to think about it too much. Yeah, and I don't think about it too much. Right. But when I'm in a scene... Whether it's learning my lines or doing a dramatic scene, mm -hmm. all I can say is whatever I'm doing, I am trying my hardest <laughs> and I'm doing the best I can. And um, I actually enjoy dramatic acting, mm -hmm. you know, in, in certain times. Well, I think coming from comedy, it's a fun challenge. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different thing. And... It's just new, you know? It's like it's not a thing that you've you've done a million times. And I think you can bring more emotion into it and less math. Like when you're used to doing comedy, mm -hmm. you let's say you have to do a scene five a funny scene five times. You deliver the lines a little differently every time, whatever, because you know there are different variations you can make, different emphasis, whatever, to make it funny. But with if you have range. If you're someone <laughs> with range. <laughs> But comedically, you have range. You have, you know, you know that you can, oh, we're going to do it again? I'll try this differently because that will be, be fun to do. You'd be surprised, Paul. <laughs> You'd be very surprised. Whenever a director is walking up to me on set, I always say, before you say anything to me, just know I have no range. Okay, what were you going to say? <laughs> on Discovery, you were playing Jet Reno. Uh-huh. 
Do you feel that you are playing a character or do you feel like you are just Tig in space? It's a mix. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a mix. Is it strange being a recurring character on a show? Like you pop in and out of a group that has already spent months together every day. Mm -hmm. What is that experience like for you? Well, first of all, I really loved making One Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And I would have continued to make One Mississippi. But when it ended, I felt like this is a fine place to end. And I'm mm -hmm. perfectly fine to, to go and do something else with my life. But I also realized that writing, producing, and starring in a show. After the first season of One Mississippi, I, I decided I don't want to be in every scene. I want to go into right. the other characters' storylines. I, I don't want that much FaceTime because I don't really identify with being an actor. Mm -hmm. and, and what I came to terms with is I really love popping in and popping out of TV and film. Mm -hmm. And I was getting what other people wanted confused with what I wanted because mm -hmm. I people were like, what, when are you going to get another show? You, should, you were robbed or you should be the... And I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, I don't know if I feel robbed. I yeah. don't know if I want to star in another scripted series. Mm -hmm. Obviously, something could come along where I'm like, yes, I want to do that. But as it stands, I love flying to Toronto, popping into this world of cast and crew that could not be nicer right. and kinder. Everyone's happy to see you. Yeah, I'm it's happy always, to see them. Yeah. And I always marvel over, I always say to them, wait a minute. So the last time I saw you a month ago, you've still just, you've been here every day, <laughs> 15 hours a day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I can't even, I can't even remember what that's like <laughs> to be on set yeah. all day, every day. And I think it probably comes from having gotten married and having kids mm -hmm. and um, just having little awakenings in life where I'm like, oh, I just, I think I want to do this with my time. And when I do a project, TV or film, I just really genuinely want to have a good time and be around people that are nice. Mm -hmm. And if the project is positive in some way, I love that too. Mm -hmm. And I love the positivity behind Star Trek. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, yeah, I'm in the sci-fi world and I'm TIG in space now, but there is no denying the positivity behind that show. Yeah. And that feels great. Yeah. So I love it. Oh, and then Alex Kurtzman sent me some article where they're like, Jet Reno should be a, a what is it? A cat. I mean, a cast member. Oh uh, yeah. A a cast member. Yeah. A regular. Not, yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. A, a series regular. Series regular. <laughs> <laughs> I I just got into the business twenty one years ago, but um, I <laughs> it's flattering when he sent that to me, and people do say that to me. They're like, "When mm. are they going to make you a series regular?" Right. And I'm like, "I don't want to be a series regular." <laughs> right. And it's nothing against the show. It's right. nothing against Alex. And and it's absolutely. I just love exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I, I really, I can't come up with a complaint. And then people will be like, it's so weird. They're underutilizing you. Or you pop up in this episode and then you're not there again for four more episodes. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm touring and because I'm doing other things. <laughs> right. And and I, I'm not just 
hanging out, you know, it, it's it, there's a lot of scheduling and stuff that goes into it. It would be funny to think of you in the uniform. Just waiting. Like every day showing up, <laughs> like anything for me today? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm being robbed. I'll be right here mm-hmm. if you need me. Uh, you and your wife, Stephanie, are producing and directing together for the first time? You've produced together before. Mm-hmm. But have and you- we've written together. Yeah. Oh, directing. Yes. Uh, this is our first, yeah, we're doing a feature, but we're also doing our own independent stuff mm-hmm. where it's funny because one of us will have an idea or be offered something and then run it by the other. And then the other one's like, uh, I don't know if that speaks to me. And yeah. But it, it's nice. We're trying to find the balance because our lives have been so enmeshed mm-hmm. with um, marriage and kids and and career and the comedy world, and we're trying to find that balance of maybe we don't have to do every single thing together. Yeah. And that's a very new realization. And Stephanie was saying the other day, how cool would it be if we went out on a date and just caught up with each other about each other's projects that we're not a part of? <laughs> right. And I was like, that does sound fun. You know, because it can be kind of transactional when you're like, hey, did you respond about casting? Or, hey, did you, Yeah. you know, when you're when you're doing a project together. Yeah. Whereas when you do things separately, there's there's a different level of fun yeah. to that. That's a great way of framing it and looking at it um, because that is a, an experience you don't want to miss out on sometimes. But that's also, it, it's the it's the push and pull of of relationships is figuring out the time to be alone and, you know, when it's too much together. And did you guys start working together pretty quickly after you got married? Yeah. She started writing on One Mississippi, Mm -hmm. and then she was an actor on One Mississippi. And then we started working on different projects from writing and producing. And that was, you know, what really drew us to one another was the comedy. We really inspire each other creatively. And what I was just saying, like trying to find that balance of do we do this together? Do we do something on our own? And there was this this time where it was getting a little confusing or not fun in ways. And we had to just have, I think, uncomfortable conversations of this doesn't feel right. We need to change this. I want to do this with you. You're scared you're going to hurt your relationship or hurt someone's feelings to say, I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. Or that's your idea. Or they're more interested in you for this. And I feel like I don't know where I belong on this. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you allow yourself to have those kind of uncomfortable conversations because it's scary because I thought it maybe meant something else, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to mean something negative. It can actually mean something positive and open doors in a, in a better way, especially for your relationship. Yeah. So we've been kind of in the middle of working all that out. If I can air all of my personal stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what I know we have to, let you go soon, but I wanted to ask no, you No, 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 I don't have to go. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, cards on the table, I got to get out of here. 
Was I a bad guest? You were a terrific guest. Thank you. That's all I wanted you to hear. You were a terrific guest. Do you feel that you were a terrific guest? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so that was a test for me. Yeah. I want to see what you'd say. <laughs> I just well, got an alert on my phone that I have therapy today. Congratulations. Thank you. What time? In two hours. In two hours? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you have just, some time to prepare. I do. What I like to do is make sure. Do you go to therapy? Uh, sure. Paul, do you? Uh, I, you know, I do, but I haven't been. You need to revisit. I need to revisit. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's always good to maintain that. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Get a little tune up. Yeah. Get a little tune up. Uh-huh. I need a new person closer to where I live. Yeah. This all stays in. I, <laughs> my therapist is walking distance from my house. Oh, the dream. So is my dentist. That's... So is my physical therapist. Do you live in an office building? <laughs> No, I'm just a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and who's to say I don't walk long distances? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Good point. That's like a logic puzzle. I thought you were going to say, you know what? Good riddance. <laughs> Good riddance to all of those professionals. Any more questions? No, I think I ran out. <sighs> How long is this podcast? It's four hours an mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll fill a lot of this time with music. <laughs> Do I have to keep coming back every day yeah, for an hour? it's just you and me. Okay. For four more hours. Yeah. I held up three. <laughs> you did hold up three. Aren't you asking me things like, where can people see you? Sure. You aren't going to. Tig, wh- how do you know? Well, I could tell. We were really wrapping it up. You don't think I was laying in wait? I don't know what you're doing, You guys going to spring it on you? That's right, you don't. Yeah. And don't forget it. I'm Trixie. Trixie? Is yes. that your name? Yep. I'm Trixie. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) To the Trixie Hour. Tig, where can people catch up with you if they want to know what's going on with you? Nowhere. I'm not not up to anything right now. I know that some people take over your Twitter feed from time to time. Every day. But they sort of talk about themselves. Yeah. So it's not a... That's not helping you. I don't have a password to my Twitter account. <laughs> it is, I've never tweeted in my life. Who does have that password? They pass it to somebody else new every day. And that person has not thought to change that password and just no, they, seal it off? Don't give terrible <laughs> ideas. <laughs> or great ideas. <laughs> yeah, great idea. I guess you can check out my Twitter, but I, I don't have anything to do with it. You have that, uh, your talk show, Under a Rock, right? I do have a talk show, Under a Rock. Mm-hmm. You can see it on YouTube or Funny or Die or Amazon. And that is a show where you have guests that you don't know who they are. Paul, I but don't. But who are famous to other people. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of pop culture. Right. Or television or film. Mm-hmm. And so this talk show is me interviewing face-to-face famous people trying to figure out who on earth they are. Fantastic. So yeah. people can check that out now. What was the fastest you figured out who someone was? Wyclef. Well, I didn't ever figure out who anybody was. Right. Even after they told me. How often do people look familiar to you? Nobody looked remotely familiar to me. Wyclef, I do follow music. I absolutely, I do follow music. Mm -hmm. And Wyclef did not necessarily look familiar to me. Mm -hmm. But when he sat down and he mentioned that he was from Haiti and he sang briefly. Mm Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I'm on to you. I, I'm, I'm I, on to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that was Wyclef. And so, and I kept saying that to him before I revealed that I, I, I thought it was Wyclef. Right. And for the new season, the producers hand me what we call face sheets. Mm-hmm. And there's 
faces that are numbered, just like, you know, 10 faces, 20 faces a sheet. And then I have to say, no, yes, no, like who I recognize and who I don't. There was somebody so recognizable. (laughs) They didn't tell me this until after we shot the season. They said there was somebody so recognizable that they put her on five different face sheets, different pictures of her, because they they were like, there's no way she doesn't know who this is. They thought for sure it was just the picture that I was seeing. So they did another angle, or and then I just would go through. No, and they were like, there's nobody on this sheet that you recognize. Uh, no. And so that was the only actress that they ever did that to me, where they were just like, this is ridiculous. So. And did that actress do the show? She did. <laughs> she did do the show. And when she walked out, there have been people where everyone's like, oh, she's going to know once they walk out. Or the actor will say that to producers or their reps. They're like, I I don't know. And they're like, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're that. safe. I love that hubris. <laughs> but, She'll know who I am. <laughs> well, they're just, they're. I mean, there's, nobody's been a jerk or really no, cocky. I know, I know, but still. Um, and everybody has kind of, not every, I would say most people have said, Every actor should probably do this show. Every celebrity or famous person, because if if and there As are a celebrities, experience. there are celebrities that I know, and that's what my other talk show. But enough about you at Largo yeah. is is of course I know celebrities. I've been in movies and TV shows. I've right. gone to parties, yeah. and for those you people, don't have face blindness, <laughs> right? For those people, I have them on that talk show. But for the other celebrities, I have them on the other talk right. show. And everyone seems to have a good time doing it. And I end up having an actual conversation with them rather than mm-hmm. like, what's your next project or any of that stuff. Right. Or is George Clooney really a joker on set? <laughs> you know, none of that kind of conversation. Also, we know the answer. He is. Uh, yeah. I heard I heard he puts toothpaste on a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that is, look, got to admit, pretty funny. I actually haven't heard that. Nobody talks to me. Tignataro. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Mm, little question in your voice? Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you for being here? Thank you. Do you need your parking validated? No, I parked half a mile away <laughs> because I couldn't find this place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. Bye. There we go. There you have it. You have it now. Okay. Now, before you go to bed. Yeah. Stay awake. We're getting some uh, reviews for the podcast, and uh, we really appreciate that. We'd like to read one or two for you here. Yeah. So thank you to folks who have sent in reviews. You can do that as well on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever, you know, wherever. I don't know. You could probably write it on, like, Yelp or something. You figure it out. Oh, please write us a Yelp review. Please. Please. We need five stars on Yelp. Um, Okay. (laughs) Wait, Paul. Let me read one of these to you. Oh, all right. Our first review is from reviewer Chartex. Ooh, this one uses our last names like we're sports heads. Uh, <laughs> sports heads. <laughs> this one says, Newsom slash Tompkins on track? Are you kidding me? I almost lost consciousness when I saw the announcement that two of my favorite <laughs> podcasting luminaries would be hosting a show about my beloved Star Trek. I could not pound that subscription fast enough. First step was great. Wow. That's very nice. That's very sweet. I, I don't want you to lose consciousness, dear listener. I just you're probably driving while you listen to these, so be careful. That was a close one. Yep. It's nice yep. to be described as a luminary. 
That's true. Um, we're not affiliated with the Luminary Podcast Network. Um, <laughs> we're also not affiliated with the Lumineers. No, they're a great band and we are not part of them. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. This is from Kath Trekkie 1219. Best Star Trek podcast, definitely. Well, I'm 12 years old, but I've been watching Trek since I was six. That's half, half the life. Wow. And this is by far my favorite Star Trek podcast. Funny, informative, in a Trek sort of way. Entertaining, something to do during COVID quarantine, and just overall amazing. Love the people that are doing this. Thank you, Ms. Newsom and Mr. Tompkins. I can't wait for the next episode. Well, thank wow. you, Kath Trekkie 1219. Thank you. Oh, you're 12 and you can't wait to be 19 is what I assume your numbers are <laughs> after your name. That is so sweet. Oh, that's adorable. Yes. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Thank you so much. I hope we don't let you down. We might. <laughs> we just might. But we'll try not to. No, Don't meet your heroes. We will disappoint you. Never meet us, you know. <laughs> Unless it's at a con or something. We could say hi. Exactly. But otherwise, that goes for everybody. Never meet us. Never meet us. <laughs> it's going to be a letdown. Yeah. It was for me. It was for me, too. Yeah. When I met us, I was like, oof. <laughs> I did not get out of this what I wanted. If you would like to review us, maybe we'll read it on the air. So uh, please do review where you get your podcasts. And um, remember to give us a nice rating. Remember to tell people about the show. Uh, we're really having fun doing it, and we want to keep on doing it. Yeah, we sure do. It is, as Kath Drecky said, something to do during COVID quarantine. <laughs> Don't take this away from us. Please, we need it. <laughs> Want more Trek? If you live in the U.S., go to CBS All Access for classic episodes of Star Trek The Original Series, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, and Star Trek Enterprise, and new seasons of Star Trek Discovery, and Star Trek Picard. In Canada, watch Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard on Bell Media's CTV Sci-Fi Channel. Star Trek Discovery streams on Netflix in 188 countries. And Star Trek Picard does the same on Amazon Prime. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Pew, 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 pew. pew. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.